You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. This is episode number 73 of the Slow Living Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie O'Day, and I am so happy that you are here listening to me today, and I am thrilled to introduce you to my brand new friend, Christy Thomas, who is the host of the Keep Calm and Mother On podcast. And I think if you are ready to calm yourself down as you go out through your day and you still are doing an awful lot of things. You still are productive. You still are a active member of society and you're producing things and you're raising other humans and you think, gosh, Steph, there actually isn't a way (laughs) to keep calm and mother on and live a slow life. I am thrilled that Christy is here to share her slow living story. So enjoy. If you've got any questions, reach out to me. I'm happy to help. If you want to share your own slow living story, email me, steph at stephanieoday.com. Christy, thank you for being here today. I'm excited to be here. It's neat to be on the side of a podcast microphone. (laughs) Yes. So you have a lot of Keep Calm and Mother On episodes. You've done this. Go ahead. You've done it a lot longer than I have. Twice a week. Yeah, there's a breathe with me moment, a meditation just for moms that is short and sweet. And then a Friday episode um, that's kind of about life or talking to authors about really cool books to try to help this parenting motherhood journey be a little bit smoother. Good, good. I am still hearing a little bit of echo. So I'm hoping Mike, the podcast guy, knows what is going on because I don't want it to be echoey, but also at the same time, I think this has happened before and he's figured it out. So we're just going to go with it. I like to record in one take. It either works or it doesn't, (laughs) but I'm happy to talk to you. Always, always, always. So I am recording this at 6 a.m. my time and you are in the suburbs of the Washington DC area and you are a military mom and you do homeschooling and you have children in high school and you run a podcast. So that sounds super crazy busy. So how do you keep yourself calm? I um I start the night before. <laughs> I think the biggest way to have a calm lifestyle is to start with intention. Actually, I guess it starts way before the night before. Like once a week, I sit down and download everything that's in my head that I'm super stressed out about or anything that pops up. I do a brain dump on paper and then I, um, so I write and I write and I write until I can't think of anything more. And then I take um, my pencil and I scratch out all the things that don't actually matter. So that's the first step after the brain dump I do. I delete things. Okay. And then I delegate things. And if it's not for me, then maybe one of my kids can help or my husband or I can hire it done. Um, And then... And then I schedule it. 
the do things. And sometimes I try to schedule it that week or I just put it into Google Calendar so Google can hold it instead of my own brain. Okay. So so that so your your nightly routine, when do you end up kind of starting that? Okay, so the brain dump thing I do on like Sunday evenings, but the nightly routine, I probably start at like 3 p.m. when my high schoolers get off the bus. <laughs> it starts that early. Okay, so w- and, and then just kind of walk us through what that looks like to you and, and how scheduling ends up or, or and, and maybe not scheduling down to every nanosecond, but creating the routine actually provides grace and margins. Because I think sometimes people think that if you're following a calendar or you're following a schedule or you're following a routine, um, it's so regimented that there, there's not whimsy in there and, there and there's not kind of fun and spontaneity. And that was totally my fear for a long time. Like I claim that I'm a type person like my husband is a military guy and you know his closet looks perfect mine is not that way okay. um, so when I start at 3 p.m what I'm doing is that we're talking about the day the kids are reviewing any surprise expectations from their school or sports team so I can manage driving them because no one's a driver yet and then also um, while we're talking about that we're repacking the lunches for the next day because okay. that can be done super early. And then after that, it's um, slow prep of dinner while kids are doing homework around me. And then it's on to evening activities. And when we get home from the evening activities, um, that's when I really make sure that I prioritize my bedtime routine before theirs. Okay. Yeah. Because my kids are 10, almost 15, and 16. So I can get ready for bed. Like, they know how to get ready for bed. I remember the toddler years and the preschool years where, like, you had to be really, really diligent on them. Right now, like, I'm a better mom if I take the shower first and I do my face wash. Interesting. Okay. So so prioritizing your own self-needs and self-care. And also, I just need to high-five myself because we're six minutes in and I totally figured out the audio. <laughs> It, it only took some time. So um, so thank you. Sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't I didn't toggle USB microphone. I guess that's an important thing. Um, so okay, so talk to me about how prioritizing yourself first works if you are fully responsible for another human because it really doesn't make sense in your brain to do that. So so at what point? Did that shift over? Um, I decided that I needed easy, <laughs> that I was getting mad at my kids in the evenings and my spouse, my husband, um, especially when he was deployed, this would happen. I'd get super frustrated because I was waiting on them to do the thing where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an adult. Like I could choose a different path here. OK, so so how does that look if you're showering in the evening what are the kids doing? So, I mean, obviously we're past the newborn right. infancy so stage. Right, so early yeah. on when they were younger, it meant that they were watching TV. Okay. Okay, so here's the thing. TV is okay. <laughs> so so cut yourself some slap when it comes to plopping yeah, them in front of the TV. or they were it's gaming together because yeah. they liked to game together. Like they were doing something that was safe. 
And it always involves electronics. It always does. Did you have guilt over that? And if so, how did you overcome that? Um, absolutely. Initially, because it was like, should I should I let them? Like, <laughs> there's so much shame about yeah. using the tools that we have. But yeah. I don't have any neighbors. I don't have any grandmas. I mean, I have neighbors, but I don't have any extended family nearby. And yeah. we move every two years. So I'm constantly rebuilding our community. And um, so that means I'm really the anchor for my kids. And if I'm feeling really good, then I show up better and simpler and calmer for the whole family. Okay. So as a military spouse, you have this level of uncertainty kind of looming all of the time. And that sounds very um, conducive to living this this anxious kind of frantic life. So what do you do to kind of squash those feelings? And and I I envision like a simmering pot. So how do you put that pot lid on? Um, So that's why I learned, I know it sounds so cliche. That's how I learned meditation, right? Was No, it's it's not cliche because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, meditation, blah, blah, blah. But... (laughs) So, so walk us through it. I mean, in your podcast, you have every other episode is yeah. this calm breathing exercise that is just so amazing. So how did you get started with that? Um, it started, my habit definitely like increased during the shutdown, right? When everyone's oh. stress levels went way up. I started reading in the morning like mindfulness books. Mm. And then I was like, oh, well, I... I can tiptoe into this. And then um, and then I tiptoed into it for about six months. And then I started offering it up as a recording for people. And that helps me keep going to it too. Because now other people know that I'm that breathing person. Yeah. And then my kids, when they're stressed out, they, they know how to breathe different shapes and teach their friends that now. Um, but that's not a natural thing for me. And I tiptoed into it because of the pandemic. Do you, when you're giving these breathing exercises, are you writing them down and then reading them? Or do the words just kind of flow into your head? Both. (laughs) So like all things in life, we can either um, pre-plan, right? That would be more that type A person. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I find scripts. Sometimes I find a quote and then lean into it. And then other times it's like I'm using my phone to record it instead of Mm. my computer. And it's a true like SOS, like I need to calm down, but I'm going to record this so you don't feel crazy when you need to calm down urgently too. Yeah. I highly urge you to click on over to Christy's podcast. It's Keep Calm and Mother On. And she has these breathing exercises and it's so practical. And things like breathe in the anxiety and blow out inspiration. And she does it in a much better way than what I'm just doing. But but we talk about feeling all of the feels and not trying to shove them away. So if you're feeling anxious, okay, own it. I am feeling anxious right now. I am feeling uncomfortable. I am feeling overwhelmed. Own that and then breathe out what it is you're trying to achieve. I'm breathing out calm. 
I'm breathing out peace. Things like that. Am I on the right track, Christy? Absolutely. And the big idea that helped me embrace that idea was um, Pema Chandran. I think she's a monk of some type. She has a quote about- Wait, so say it again. Hema with an H? Pema. P-E-M-A. Oh, <laughs> okay. Pema. Pema. I need to write that down. Do you know how to spell that? Yeah. she ha- It's P-E-M-A. And then her last name is C-H-O-D-R-I-N. And she has a book called Don't Take the Hook. I think that's what it's called. Okay. About not um, embracing other people's feelings or getting hooked on your feelings, right? Oh, so that's really interesting because many people reach out to me with the mindset that they're an empath and <laughs> how like whatever I'm saying doesn't work for them because they're an empath. So what would you say to them? Um, so... You can only feel your feelings. I know there's a big trend on social media for this empath thing. I'm blaming TikTok. Yeah, I mean, it could be. <laughs> I mean, but you're actually, you you can feel the energy the other person gives off, but you can't actually feel someone else's feelings. Otherwise, my marriage would have like been destroyed a couple of times, right? Yeah. If my husband felt all of my feelings without me having to <laughs> say them, or my kids, um, our relationships would be destroyed, right? Only I can feel my feelings, good or bad. Um, and that's important to know. But what helped the most was her idea about feelings being like weather. Mm. And that if I can name the weather, if I can name the feeling, and just know that it's going to drift by, yeah. <laughs> weather changes all the time. And my feelings are going to change. And if I can just name it and notice it, and then feel my body because feelings are meant to be felt. They're usually stored in your body somewhere. Yeah. So if you can just take a deep breath in and say, oh, yeah, I feel that anxiety as like tight chest or stress mm-hmm. in my shoulders or anger in my jaw, um, then you can notice and name it and then you can choose what to do next. But giving myself permission to actually just notice the feelings um, was a, it, it, it changes everything for me. I like that. Name it and notice it, acknowledge it and not be scared. Um, because yeah. I think sometimes, especially if you are in the midst of a panic attack or, or feeling really upset, thinking you're wrong for feeling the feeling you're having is what makes it last longer. Yeah, if you can just be as kind to yourself as you would your child or your best friend, we judge ourselves, especially when we're feeling feelings that maybe we weren't safe feeling as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all these right. patterns. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable noticing and naming feelings, like if you can only n- name mad, glad, and sad, yeah, <laughs> go get some feeling books from the kids section mm-hmm. of the library. There is so much out there. And read some picture books about feelings and let yourself explore that. I like um, Komochi's. And and so we've talked about it before on the podcast. But if you go to Komochi's website, and that's K-I-M-O-C-H-I-S, and they're these little kind of stuffed creatures, and they're all different emotions. And um, they have printable, free, downloadable PDFs, and you can print them out. And you, um, I've got them laminated for the kids. And at work, we use them all the time because I work in an elementary school. And it's wonderful because the kids come and they say, which one are you? And they point to it. 
And then they're like, oh, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to feel? So maybe if you're angry, feeling happy is way, way too much of a change in emotion. Yeah, don't jump that far. No, but maybe you can feel hopeful or optimistic or thoughtful or considerate. There are so many emotions out there. Or just like you go from rage to mad to maybe something else. Like, yeah, take the steps. Take the steps. Yeah. No, it's kind of like a monkey bar. Like, don't try and get to the other side of the monkey bars. Just literally reach for, for the next one. Absolutely. And the more you can let yourself feel, the more that your day will um, feel simpler, right? It will feel calmer because you'll know that you're just in charge of your feelings and not anyone else's. Like you don't have to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You just have to feel what you feel. Yeah. So talk to me how that works when probably a piece of your brain is in constant kind of stress and worry mode about your husband. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right now, thankfully, he's home, but there have been seasons where he's been gone for three to six to nine months at a time. And when he's gone, he's gone with zero communication um, because he's part of the submarine service. And so there is no talking. Um, And you just kind of have this low level feeling of angst (laughs) and you learn that it's not worth being so stressed out all the time when you're missing that person or nervous about them that my kids needed me to show them how to enjoy life while he was gone. Do you feel as if you step sometimes into a different version of yourself if he's deployed versus home. And sometimes people think that like it's phony baloney or they're shape shifting or they're playing a role or a part. But I look at all of it as just the human experience. And sometimes it's literally rising to the occasion. So I sort of envision myself stepping into a a new version of me. But how, how does that work in your brain? What do you do? Um, absolutely. And, and that's, That's a really good question. The deployment version of me when I'm the solo parents at home is uh, I lower my standards. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good. Eating on the floor and calling it a carpet picnic is a-okay. Oh, absolutely. The, The amount of cereal we have for dinner is super high. The number of paper plates we use during that time, super high. Yeah. Um, And and, and it's okay. You're you're not going to screw up the environment because you're going to use paper plates right now. There's so many other ways the environment is getting screwed up. It's okay to cut yourself some grace. Yeah, you can't save the rainforest if you're drowning yourself. Oh, my goodness. Say that again. Yes. Okay, so that's not even from me. I'll give credit. That's from Casey (laughs) Davis, the famous TikToker that talks about self-care and struggle care in depression. And she says you can't save the rainforest while you're drowning. Yeah. And yeah. you can't <laughs> like, no, you, 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 you really can't. And, and it's something, um, uh, so Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, and she channels Abraham and depending, sometimes it seems phony baloney and sometimes it's exactly what I need. But she says something similar in that you can't get poor enough to help all the poor people. You can't get hungry enough to help all the hungry people. It, it, you just, 
you have to do the best thing for you right here and right now, and then just trust that more opportunities will come your way, that you are in a different season when you really can give your all and help without self-sacrificing. Yeah, exactly. You have to just know where you are. Um, and that it, feeling the feelings allows you to know where you are, to to know, oh, chicken nuggets for like every other meal, also okay. Like whatever, yeah. if the yeah. only vegetable your kid ate was baby carrots or sliced cucumbers over and over again, like you're just trying. And I decided my kids didn't need me to try to be a more perfect mom when my husband was deployed to compensate for that. They just needed me to be a mom who enjoyed them. Who enjoyed them. In one of the podcast episodes that I was listening to, you you had a few that were really interesting. One was what, what happens when you don't actually like your kid. And then a, another one was about yelling. And I think um, there's a lot of shame around yelling and and feeling like, if you were better and calmer, you would never, ever yell. And, and and the idea of knowing that you're doing psychological harm when you're yelling. And and so I, just to, to share my own story, my kids are, are much older now. They're 21, 18, and 13. And I'm in a much calmer, peaceful place than I was when they were littles. Um, but my 13-year-old on a car ride coming home from the cabin over winter break when it was beautiful and lovely and filled with snow and, and fire and in, in the fireplace, not like out in the wild. Um, she just very carefully and calmly said, do you remember when you used to yell all the time? And it felt like daggers in my heart, but I am a real person and yes, I, in periods of stress, my coping mechanism at the time, unfortunately, was to yell. And so I turned the radio off and I said, you know what? You're right. I'm really sorry. It is not okay. I should not have done that. I can make excuses. I can say that I was stressed. I didn't know um, money-wise how things would work out. I didn't know health-wise how things were going to work out with grandma. And I was at a breaking point and I made a mistake and I'm really, really, really sorry. And, and so then she moved on to something else, but it haunts me. It haunts me. And I'm telling you about this and this happened eight to 10 weeks ago. So, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. So I want to tell you, right. What a gift it is for her to see adults learning how to change and to learn new patterns. And the fact that she can watch you and notice how, you don't respond that way to stress in the moment. Um, in the fact that she felt safe enough to say, hey, remember when you used to do that? Like, I know. Remember when you sucked, mom? <laughs> exactly. I mean, but, but I think one of the gifts that we really need to embrace is allowing ourselves to be human while we're raising these humans. That yes. we, we can't do anything better than what we're doing. There's an adage, right, that Kids do well when they can. Um, and I think humans do well when they can. Yeah. And when you're not doing well, that usually just means that you need a bigger team or yeah. more accommodations in your life. Yeah. 
And, it's not a moral and, and the accommodations are interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up because the when you can do well, you do well. Sometimes perfectionists kind of take that in, well, I can't do well right now because the house is a mess, or I can't do well right now because we're eating cereal again for dinner. And Instagram says I have to do it this way or I'm a bad mom and blah, blah, blah. So how do you get that perfectionist shame out of your head? Um, I close Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) We aren't meant to have so many people to compare our lives to. We just aren't. And so if you're feeling like all these shoulds are on you, um, I remember when my oldest were little kids, right? Like Pinterest was brand new. So it was the Pinterest mom that everyone was striving for um, instead of this sad beige mom that's everywhere on Instagram right now. Um, Beige. (laughs) Yeah, it's just everywhere. Like there's no colors on the Instagram feed for trendy moms. image of me that went viral – and again, it was when Pinterest first started, was me in glasses hugging a crock pot with no makeup and my socks, I guess, were dirty and I was in front of the Christmas tree and Adam just snapped a picture and that was my New Year's resolution. Well, that image went viral on Pinterest and all of the comments were about my dirty socks. And it was because we had hardwood, and and if you zoom you in, don't have to justify any of it to me. Dirty socks, socks should be dirty. Like, I know, but <laughs> oh my gosh, a piece of me wanted to take the picture down and brighten it, and lighten it, and make my teeth whiter, and all of this stuff. Oh, yeah. That said, I got so many page views that the the income for that month was great, and so that is what I chose to focus on. <laughs> But if we could edit all the things so we could look as perfect as everyone else online, like they don't look that way. Um, and so you you can just close the app and compare your life to the people that actually matter if you feel like you need to compare. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that comparison takes us out of the present moment and you're not living your own life anymore. Yeah, comparisonitis. So since you and probably other people listening get a lot of good from social media, a lot of connection. And it's a way, especially if you're moving a lot, to check in with family and friends that perhaps maybe you've left behind and it's the only way you really do connect with them. How do you create boundaries for yourself so you're not sucked in to the shoulds and the why don't I's? Um. I remember what version I want to be when I'm 90 years old. Mm. So I can't be those other people because my time and my energy doesn't match their time and energy that they can spend. But 90-year-old me wants to have had an amazing marriage and raised great kids and then helped in a small way. Like, I don't need to compare myself because it doesn't line up to what 90-year-old me really wants to remember about when I'm in the rocking chair. Oh, that is such valuable information, Christy. Yeah. If it, what what is it? If it's not going to matter in a week or a month or a year, don't worry about it right now. And and you're absolutely right. 90-year-old you is not going to remember the drama that happened on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah, not really. I mean... 
I do remember some drama for like five years ago, right? Like it still stings. Those things carry on with you. And now as I walk my kids through dabbling through social media, um, like I can see the dangers and the pitfalls. And I know that we're all just still learning how to figure this out. And if I can be honest with them and when I'm scrolling Instagram and I see some amazing house or an amazing recipe, I try to verbalize that out loud that I'm feeling jealous or noticing that, oh man, they're on a ski trip. I really wish mm -hmm. we were on a ski trip instead of like at home this holiday weekend again. Just telling my kids that those feelings are normal um, is probably one of the best strategies I have for it. And letting myself like talk it out instead of just stay looped in my head. What are the boundaries for your children that you have tried to model and create for them when it comes to social media? Um, I think the strongest boundary we have with our kids and ourselves is to, my kids do it really well, I don't, is that their phones sleep in the kitchen. Okay. So there's a bedtime for their phone. Um, I'm not so great at it because when my husband's traveling, I want the phone next to me. Sure, like sure. a security blanket. But I'm really proud that we've been able to set that boundary early and often for them, that they know that they need to detach and that it's not something you take to bed with time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have an alarm clock. Like they, they know how to work that. <laughs> <laughs> Do your kids set your own alarm clock? I'm just asking because as a school site secretary, it's fascinating to me how many kids are tardy every single day. And they're like, oh, well, I wasn't woken up. And I'm like, you're in fourth grade. You can get yourself up. Set an alarm. <laughs> so my kids um, can set their own alarm clocks, and they do. And they, um, my middle kid has this elaborate alarm clock system. She uses an Alexa to set it, and she's got like 15 alarms to make oh, sure so she doesn't miss the bus. Oh, that's adorable. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, this ninth grader, she's like, nope, I want to be able to snooze, but if I snooze too much, I've got to have backup alarm like at 15 minutes later. And then she's got an alarm to remind her to come downstairs because she lounges in her bedroom in the morning and has quiet time. So what I really like about hearing you tell this story is that you are not pushing your morning routine or your expectations on her because as a ninth grader, she can decide how her own body works. And if she wants to snooze, she wants to snooze, but she just needs to find a way to not miss the bus. So my number one morning thing um, since my kids started public school, because they homeschooled for a long time, when they started public school, I decided my job in the morning was just to have a calm kitchen. So when I wake up, I light a candle if we have one, I mm. turn on some classical music, and I keep the lights dim, and they just know what they want for breakfast, and they get it done when they come downstairs. But my job is to protect the calm in the morning and not add to chaos. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I like that so much. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> it, it It's such a work in progress, right? Like I'd rather nitpick them about their test and remind them a hundred things. Like it takes a lot of work to bite my lip. <laughs> from, from a very practical standpoint, I wanted to ask you how you structure your days and how you find time to record the podcast because we're, we're recording this in the first quarter of the year. This is going to air at the end of February. And a lot of people had New Year's resolutions to 
start a blog, start a podcast, start something, and they think they don't have enough time or they're using time as an excuse. And I just wondered, do you feel as if recording, you're now doing it twice a week, is a hardship for you? No, it's such a joy because it's brought so much connection into my life, being brave. Um, I started the podcast like on a random Thursday afternoon. I figured out how to get like approved on Apple and said, hey, let's do it. I um I never wanted to be a blogger and I thought I could talk. So I, let's start a podcast. And so the bar was low um, for me to begin with. Like I didn't know who was going to listen to it or how people were going to find it, but I was going to try. And I decided early on that my episodes were going to be short. So mm-hmm. that helped my my anxiety because I knew I was going to stick to like 10 to 15 minute episodes at the beginning. Um, and then people started reaching out, like people from other countries. And I just realized how much we need each other. So it's not stressful to record. Sometimes I record last minute because that's how life is. Yeah. And as long as it's mostly up every Friday, which is really consistent for me, um, I feel good. The Breathe With Me episodes, if I'm going to sit down and record them they're at the computer and not just be on the fly using my phone, I'm going to record like four or five of them in a row. Oh. So those I batch because they're super short. And so I can record about four to five Breathe With Me's in about, you know, an hour to an hour and a half with time to pause and think and get into the right energy myself (laughs) because I want to make sure I'm showing up calm when I record those. When you, 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 (laughs) at the beginning of this podcast, you had, of, of right now when we're talking, this particular podcast episode, you had said that the Breathe With Me's and the meditation came about during the pandemic. How is your mindset now that you do this regularly versus before? Because I think a lot of people have this hurdle that they like the idea of mindfulness and and breath work and finding a, a place to meditate and a time to meditate, but they're not willing to just kind of rip off the Band-Aid and, and do it. So how did you just kind of overcome that? Um, I decided to start with just really simple things of just noticing my breath. And I would set a timer for like 30 seconds and hide in my closet. Like the I always start with setting the bar as low as I possibly can so I can make success happen. Okay. That is such valuable information and and so helpful because I think people start with 20 minutes, (laughs) but you started with 30 seconds. Christy, that is phenomenal. So I, um, I have experience running and training for races and doing things like that, and I know that when I want to train for something or start a new habit, my goal is to make a habit that feels like I could do 99% of the time with my eyes closed walking backwards. Like so simple and stupid feeling that I know I can do it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that, 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 that is, is such a key 
takeaway, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. And and that's so valuable. It's it's so valuable. Just just literally take that very first step, and and only focus on taking that first step. Um, and when I was teaching my kids to try to have some mindfulness breathing, like they don't really want to learn it from me, right? But I feel like I need to teach them. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially when I introduced it to them, it was let's take 3D breaths before I start the car. Um, like let's just start there. Every time we get in the car as a family, we're going to take 3D breaths and notice how we feel. Like that that's not hard to remember. No. I put a sticky note <laughs> in the car so I would remember that because even that was hard to remember. But um, it it was doable and my kids – learned how to embrace that. And I would show them different shapes. Like you can draw a square as you're breathing. Mm -hmm. There's triangles. If you look up shape breathing for kids, Mm -hmm. even teenagers can get into that because we're all human, tangible. We need our senses. So. Yeah, I I agree. At at school, we do starfish breathing where you're tracing uh, the webbing in your hand um, just up and down your fingers. And then um, I've talked about box breathing before where you can find a box anywhere. Um, if you're stuck in a crappy meeting, look for a, a ceiling tile or a door frame or a window or even the edge of the binder right in front of you and just trace it with your eyes and breathe in and then hold, breathe out and then maintain and then in again and just go around the box and slow yourself down. It's helpful on an airplane when you can't get out. It's helpful in traffic when you can't get out. Um, um, an elevator, all, all these things where you feel trapped and you don't feel in control. And and it's so fascinating because you're talking about keeping calm and mothering on. And I talk about slow living. And yet really what humans want is a feeling of control and, and feeling as if they are in charge of what is happening. And, um, and when you realize, it's back to the serenity prayer, you really can only control what you can control and you've got to let go and release the things that are, that are out of control and, and leave it to a higher faith, a higher power, a higher being, just know that the world is going to keep spinning. The sun is going to keep coming up and going down. Your heart will keep beating. You will keep breathing. And you don't need to actually hold on tight to all of these things. Just relax and, and it will still happen. And you don't have to control every last bitty, 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 bitty thing. And even when there's really hard things that feel you feel like you can't control, like during the pandemic, my middle kid was diagnosed with epilepsy, right? That was oh, a hard moment. It is Seeing your moment. kid have some seizures. Yeah. Um, but what you do is you know that you're only in charge of what you can actually control. So in the moments when I was fighting with insurance and trying to get referrals, right, I could come back to my breath and remember that I was trying, um, and then we can move forward again. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm sorry to hear about the epilepsy diagnosis. And it's interesting when you look at epilepsy and in the midst of a seizure and control, because it's not something you control. The only thing you can do is hold them, keep them safe, and write it out. And so it's definitely kind of a metaphor um, for life in many ways. 
And to just give a, a PSA here, right? Not all seizures involve the whole body. So my daughter's seizures were actually happening when we were homeschooling math, and it was just her eyelids, and she wasn't responsive to her name. They oh, were super short, and she would just blink her eyelids up in a way she couldn't replicate. When I got it on video, I was like, can you do this again? And she's like, what? <laughs> Oh, Christy, I'm so glad you were there and so you were watching. So look up absence seizures and just watch a video on YouTube about it so you can be a little bit more aware because the doctors were surprised I knew what it was. Okay, so it's called absence seizures? Okay. Thank you for sharing that. It's uh, really good to just kind of tuck away. And, and it's um, it's interesting. The, the more I speak to people and come across different medical conditions, the more I'm aware and then hear about it. So, so it's really interesting. Um, you can liken it to the law of attraction of once you know something, you, you know it and, and you can find it again. And, and it was only because another kid had a seizure in our life that I was looking up medical testing videos, right? So their kids could see what an MRI looked like. Mm online. And then I stumbled into it and I was like, oh, yeah, that yeah. weird thing that I might, I noticed, but I didn't know how to name. Yeah. My middle child, um, my middle child also has had two seizures. One was a febrile seizure and another was after a concussion and both times. And I really do think it's because I was medically trained um, through running preschool centers. Both times I had recently just had the CPR and medical training that I knew exactly what was happening. And, and I was very calm and, and was able to walk my husband through it. I'm like, you have to call 911. I'm going to hold her. And, and, and this is what is happening. And then I had my five-year-old next to me and, and I'm talking her through it because I don't want her traumatized as her sister is going through this. Yeah. Yeah. See, you found you, when you can know that life is going to throw you wild curveballs, like we can, we should unexpect, we should expect the unexpected a lot more. Yeah. Um, and know that we can always come back to our breath. It's a gift or wiggle your toes and feel the earth around you. Um, those sort of grounding practices. Let me ride the unexpected. Oh, I love that. I love that. Christy, I am cognizant of our time, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and for sharing your story and for giving such valuable tools. There were so many key nuggets and just juicy bits of wisdom that are so practical to anyone really in any stage. But I think I get a lot of emailed questions and what ifs, and I, I can't do this because my kids are still young. And so hearing from someone who is actively in the trenches and working with people with young children um, is so valuable. So please find Christy online. It's the Keep Calm and Mother On podcast. And I know you have a few different social media handles. So Christy, will you share them? Um, so my most active one is everyday runner Christy at Instagram because I run a mile every single day. So that's where that name comes from. Everyday runner Christy. Okay. There are some spaces in there, so I will put it, give it to you so you can find it in the show notes. Okay. For however Stephanie does that. Because okay. 
naming things are crazy on social media. They are. They are. I am so thankful to you. Thank you for spending time with us. And I highly recommend finding Christy, following along with her breathing exercises. Put them on in the car and do them with the kids. Well, maybe you shouldn't asphyxiate yourself while you're driving, but but, but (laughs) maybe not driving. Okay. So sit on the floor of the living room and lay down when you're super stressed out and you're, Mm. especially when you have younger kids do the opposite. So instead of like hovering over them and asking them to clean up, just lay down like a dead person on the floor in the middle of all their toys. Oh, I like that. So that's a pattern interrupt that. What a neat idea. Okay. You've got this. And I'm thankful for you, Stephanie. You've inspired me for a long time. So I'm glad (laughs) we could talk. Okay. Thank you, Slow Down Society, for being here. And we will be back next week with another episode. As always, consider yourself loved and hugged. And I think you are wonderful. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.